Morning. How about the week we've had with the snow? Quite unique, isn't it? My wife's from Chicago. She promises me that if it snowed like that all winter, I'd get tired of it. But I enjoyed it, personally. I, I, don't, I guess I don't have to ask the kids present if you had a good week. I've been looking forward to speaking uh, since Bob and I began uh, maybe talking about one of us elders speaking sometime this year. We, we decided about uh, six weeks ago that after Bob finished his uh, Through Ruth and before he begins his next uh, section of Scripture that maybe that would be a good time for me to fill in. And so I've been looking forward to doing that. I, I didn't tell my wife that we were making arrangements for me to preach. So after Bob and I agreed on the date, today, February 14th, this, now this is a late December, early January, I come home and I tell Marilyn, I said, Marilyn, it looks like I'll be preaching on February the 14th. Marilyn said, now I was expecting something like, oh, that's good. I'm looking forward to what you're going to teach about. Uh, something along those lines. But instead, when I said, babe, I'm going to be preaching on February the 14th, she said, oh, good. That's Valentine's Day. So I, I, I tend to find myself, Greg, agreeing with you about the commercialization of Valentine's Day, but I'm also interested in peace in the home <laughs> and order. So I want you guys to know that I've been prepared for Valentine's Day now for six weeks because I've been <laughs> reminded rather regularly by my wife that I'm preaching on Valentine's Day. This issue of child training is of personal interest to me um, for several reasons, I suppose. First is my personal interest as a father. I'm still in the process myself of training my children. Although you would say I may be toward the end of that as it, my children are at the age that they are now in college. But my wife and I often find ourselves discussing now that our years where they are under our roof to be dwindling, we often talk, what is there left that we can do? What, what are we missing? What do we need to maybe revisit? What do we need to start over? We find ourselves having those types of conversations. So this topic of child training is personally still relevant to me today to look at the scriptures and examine what it is that I still need to be doing as a father. We have a lot of fathers in this body now who are beginning stages of having children. Many young fathers. And I remember... When I was where you are 20 years ago, there were many people in this body, uh, particularly some of you men, that were of great encouragement and help to me personally as a father, directing me to the scriptures, wise counsel. And so perhaps uh, an examination this morning for some of the young fathers would be appropriate and encouraging for you. I must say, regarding this topic of child training, our culture is rather discouraging. We do not get a lot of help, as it were, from the culture. In fact, I would go so far as to say the great amount of disrespect that I personally observe between children and their parents and parents toward their children is rather striking to me. And I guess maybe I see that now as I get older, maybe more so than I did when I was younger. The absence of parental involvement and, and abuse that you see on television and in commercials and in movies and videos is, is rather shocking. Our culture I would say promotes rebellion, celebrates disrespectful behavior, and so I'm interested in this topic for us as families to look at the scriptures and maybe gain some encouragement and insight from that perspective. I must also say to you that 
I approached this subject with great reservation. Bob, I was listening to your remarks from when you were working through the book of Ephesians in my preparation, and my timeline may be a little off, but I, I suspect it was the years when some of your daughters were still at home. I'm thinking maybe even Jenny and Amy were, were still at home and when you were teaching through the book of Ephesians. And Bob began his remarks when you got to this section of Ephesians 6, 1, and you said, he said to us, Bob approaches this subject with great fear and trembling. And I must stand here in agreement with all of the teachers that have gone before raising children, teaching on the subject of child training. I want to confess to you today that I do not hold myself out as any type of an expert. In fact, I've probably mentioned to many of you on more than one occasion, as I get older, what stands out to me are the things that I could have done better, things that I wish I would have done differently. And if I had a chance, would do over. Those are the things that stand out to me. Not anything that Marilyn and I may have done that was remotely good. So whether we are here today as children or whether we are here today as parents, let's approach our subject with great humility and see what the scripture might have for us to learn. Well, I had Steve read a little bit into chapter 5 because our, I'm, I'm going to focus our, my remarks this morning specifically on chapter 6, the first four verses. But I thought it might be helpful to go back and take a look at what precedes our instructions to children and fathers. Paul is addressing husbands and wives, the roles in the home, and now he gets to the subject of children and parents. And my approach this morning to these verses is really going to be to ask two questions. Why should children obey and honor their parents? And why should fathers be a little bit attentive and participate in training their children? Now, I do not pose these questions as questions of doubt. My, my point and focus this morning is rather questions of inquiry. Questions to seek and see, is there more to this than just being given commands to do something? Is there more here to discover? I want to offer three reasons, and I'll limit my remarks to these three. There's, there's maybe four. Maybe you could see two. I'm going, to, I'm going to tackle three. Three reasons why children ought to obey and fathers ought to train. Because of the sovereignty of God. Because we're instructed to do these things. And because of the greater purpose of being in Christ. So let's address the kids first. Why should children obey and honor their parents? Children, I want to submit to you the first reason is because of the sovereignty of God. And I would, I would begin by saying this. Look carefully at this verse. Children, obey your parents. None of us here today chose our parents. Children, obey your parents. God has sovereignly placed you in your home with your parents. I submit to you that the first reason that you ought to obey your parents is because you've been instructed by a sovereign God to do just that. And I would also suggest that one key component to properly understanding obedience to parents is to understand that God has the authority to place us with our parents. And I want to direct us to Psalm 139. It's going to be familiar, but children, I want you to, to look at this with us. Now, I know that children in here, we have younger ages. In fact, we just started a junior church, so maybe even the younger, younger ages may not be here. But if you're old enough as a child to understand what it is to obey, 
then these remarks and these scriptures are directed at you. But particularly if you're a young person here today, you know, grade school, junior high, high school age, then I would ask that you folks pay particularly close attention because these, these directives are directed specifically to you. Psalm 139, let's take a look. Let me just read verses 13 through 16. And this is a psalm of David where David is describing and writing about how wonderful God is in terms of how intimately God knows David. He is talking to God and praising God that God is everywhere and God knew exactly what he was doing and how wonderful his skill was in creating David. Now this isn't just a psalm about God's skill in creating David. This is includes us as well, because God is the author of life. Starting in verse 13. You formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me. When as yet there was not one of them. Children, the key is your parents did not create you. God did. When he made you, he knows your personality. He knows what you like. He knows what you don't like. God knows what you enjoy. When he put you together, he knew what you would not enjoy. When he made you, he knew what you would be good at naturally and what would take some skill and struggle to learn. Knowing all of those things about you as God put you together, he gave you to your parents. There were no accidents. It was not a mistake, and it was by design. And if that's the case, then God has the authority, children, to command you to obey your parents because he gave you to them for that purpose. Well, I want to submit a second reason would be because you're instructed to do so. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. We've got two instructions for you. You're to obey and you're to honor. Now, I'd like to read a very insightful perspective. This is from Richard's Expository Dictionary of Bible Words before we get into this subject of obedience. Because oftentimes, it's human nature, we're hit with commands to do something, and it's like, wow, that... Where did that come from? What's up with this strong command, obey? Not a lot of explanation. It says obey and honor. This is from uh, the sort of a preamble to before Richard's dictionary describes how the words obey and obedience are used in the Old and New Testament. But I find this very insightful. Often our understanding of the Bible is subtly colored. When we read the Bible, we often import a tone of voice into our reading. The words we read may seem harsh or impersonal, 
or strident and demanding, not because they are so used in the Bible, but because we intuitively feel this way about the words themselves. This is particularly a danger when we read of obedience or disobedience. All too often, the warmth and love that infuse the passages that speak of them are replaced by a cold impersonality that we bring with us and that robs Scripture of its meaning. Children, when you're given the command to obey, this is not an impersonal God that does not know you. These are commands from a very personal God who knows you very well. It is not thoughtless, it is quite thoughtful. And it's not impersonal, it's quite personal. Usually in God's word, when a command is given, our gracious God usually gives some context, some reasons. And that's true in our case. We've got two examples of obedience. It's right and it's a blessing. And honoring is a blessing. I want to camp on that word for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Your Heavenly Father has examined this component for you as children to obey your parents. God has weighed it. He has put it in the balance. He has determined that it is right. It is fair. It is just. James 4.17 says this, kids. To the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Children, your Heavenly Father has put you with your parents. For you not to obey them is to be unjust. And unfair. It's not right, and it is sin. Honor your parents. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Honoring your parents, kids, added a key component to this idea of obedience. In fact, you might you might put honor above obedience. Honoring your parents just gave you a key component to merely obeying. It's not just that you are to obey. It matters a great deal to your Heavenly Father, children, how you obey with great honor and respect. And this is true in keeping with this Christian perspective of practice in the home. Because when Paul began this section, he addressed husbands and wives. And he said to us as husbands in verse 25, she says, Husbands, love your wives. Does it stop there? Husbands, love your wives. No. It's not just a matter, husbands, that we're to love our wives. Yes, that's true. But it matters a great deal to our Heavenly Father how we do it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Children, obey your parents. Honor them. It matters not that you do it. It also matters how. This uh, rendering here, honor your parents obeying, carries a promise. And this is one of several times that this command of the Ten Commandments is pulled out and referenced in Scripture. 
Obviously, it was given the first time the Ten Commandments were given in Exodus, right? It was part of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. It was uh, rendered again in the book of Deuteronomy. I find that particularly instructive to the younger generation because in the book of Deuteronomy, remember the old generation had passed away. Moses was sort of at the end of his life and he was instructing the younger generation the things that they needed to know and do and the blessings that would be involved in being obedient. In the book of Deuteronomy, it lists and carries out a a multitude of blessings for the people to be obedient. And then it's here in in our text as well. Looking back to the Old Testament, to the blessings involved with honoring your parents. Kids, if you went back and you took the time to go back through the book of Deuteronomy, when this command is given, honor your father and your mother which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. If you go back and look, there's some context to that. This was written to the nation of Israel. You'll notice that if you go back and take a look at the Ten Commandments and the blessings to follow for the nation of Israel, when it got to the command of honoring your mother and father, that command was brought down to a very personal level for sons and daughters as individuals not just as a nation. That is important because we look back from the New Testament to the Old Testament for good instruction. And the good instruction here, kids, is don't forget about the promise of blessing. There is blessing involved to being obedient and honoring your parent. Life will be better. Life will be better. It would be fair as children here today to ask the question, now wait a minute, that it may be well with me and that I might live long on the earth. Well, what if I don't obey and don't honor? Is this text maybe indicating that things might not go well? I would submit to you, yes. That is a fair question to ask, having read this text. There are several warnings in the scripture regarding the importance that God places on children to obey their parents. I've listed three here for us to take a quick look at. And children, I want you to follow me on this. I want to go back to Exodus 21.15. So what about this honoring and blessing? What if I don't do that? 21.15. He who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. How about 17? He who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. How about Deuteronomy 21, 18? If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother... And when they chastise him, he'll not listen to them. Then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gateway of his hometown. They shall say to the elders of his city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He won't obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death so that you shall remove the evil from your midst. And all Israel shall hear of it in fear. Now, kids, I want to say from the get-go, these are shocking statements. These are sobering words. 
What we want to take away from this is your attitude toward your mother and father of honor matters greatly to the Lord. So much so that there are some very hard sayings in Scripture related to that very topic. Children, you may be being respectful to your parents as a pattern. Maybe that is a pattern that's beginning to describe your life. Maybe your parents are not requiring that you obey them and honor them. But your Heavenly Father is watching. He's taking note, and it is serious business to Him. Your attitude of honor and respect toward your mom and dad is serious business, and and I submit that that you're putting yourself in subjection to things not going well to not do so. Third reason, children, for the greater purpose of being in the Lord, that's the real reason to honor and obey your parents. It's bigger than just unto your mom and dad. Scripture here says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In the Lord. Your responsibility is not just to your parents, it's actually unto the Lord. Your obligation to obey, if you profess a saving faith in the Lord, your obligation is to the Lord. And even our Lord understood this basic principle. In Luke chapter 2, there we're given a glimpse into the life of Jesus as a young boy. He was approximately about 12 years old. And you know the story. It's the account where his mom and dad left their hometown to go back to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. And as they returned home, they assumed Jesus was with them, but after a couple of days realized he was not, returned back to Jerusalem to find Jesus. So they were a little bit panicked, as it were, I guess, as any parents would be. So that's where we pick up the account in Luke 2.48. When they saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he, Jesus, said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he, Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them, and his his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. What is interesting for me to note about this text is we know nothing about Jesus' life from this point until we find Jesus at the Jordan River with John the Baptist. Scripture is silent for the most part on this intervening 18 years. So, kids, what was it Scripture wants you to know about Jesus for the next 18 years. Did you see it? He continued in subjection to his parents. And he was growing and increasing in wisdom and stature with God and with men. Children, if it is good enough for Jesus to be in subjection to his parents as unto God, then it is good enough for you and it is good enough for us. Well, fathers aren't left out of this list of instructions either. There's some pretty direct words for us. Fathers, why should we be attentive and train our kids? Now, this is addressed to fathers, and we understand that our wives train our children as well. We know that. 
They instruct and discipline and bring them up. We, we agree with that. But I want to address fathers because our text does. And so the rest of my remarks, fathers, are going to be addressed to you. But we know that mothers are in view here as well. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. I want to submit that the first reason you ought to be attentive and train your kids is because you didn't pick your kids. They were given to you as a gift. Now, I want to go so far as to say that's true in the case of adoption as well. I have not talked to personally a single parent that adopted a child and did not infuse the conversation with the sovereignty of God in bringing that adopted child to that adoptive parent. So I want to submit that we don't pick our kids, even in the case of adoption. So whether we want to talk about natural childbirth or children, if you were adopted, you had a sovereign God that placed you with your parents. Fathers, a second reason we ought to be attentive and train our kids is because that's what we're instructed to do here. We've been given two commands. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We're not to provoke to anger. We're instead to bring them up. Fathers, we're not to irritate our children to anger. We're not to literally get them to the point that we make them angry. Now, this is not an anger that's involved when you tell your child to do something and they're angry about being disciplined. What's involved here is an irritation beyond measure. Now, in the sister passage to this, over in Colossians 3.21, if you want to take a look there briefly, we can. The same word is used, but, but in here it's rendered a little differently in Colossians 3.21. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. So, dads... We are not to bring our children to the point that we exasperate them, cause them to be bitter, cause them to lose heart, cause them to be discouraged. That's what's in view here. We are not to cause them to react to in such a way that they are discouraged and lose heart. Fathers, it is, it is critical, at least from my point of view, as I look at this text that we know our children well enough and we know each one individually well enough that we know what it is to provoke and what it is not to provoke our kids. As fathers, we bring a lot of things to the table. How we were raised, how our fathers and moms treated us, how we were disciplined, we bring that to the table. But our children are different. I, I had two boys and I can say that they were different we, we run the risk as parents, and I failed at this more times than I care to admit. Handing out discipline, as it were, to one child who could take it because that was their temperament, but handing out that same measure of, different, uh, of discipline to the second child whose makeup was not of that temperament led to exasperation and discouragement. And Scripture is asking us as fathers, we are not to do that. We are not to lead our children to the place that they get discouraged and become exasperated. What we are to do instead is bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, it's tempting at this point when we look at these instructions. Fathers, don't provoke your children, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's tempting to diverge and start talking about process 
and how. And believe me, I've read my share of books. The proper way to discipline, the proper way to train, the proper way to teach, the how-tos of raising kids. We're all probably on some level interested in that. But for my remarks today, I'd like to step back and maybe take a little bit broader view than that because we, we may agree or disagree on process and method, right? But I, I want to suggest that there's at least a couple of things that we might agree on that are in view here. Order and purpose. Do you see it? Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Disciplined instruction by their nature denote order, do they not? Bring them up of the Lord denotes the purpose, does it not? Order and purpose. And I, I, I would say order and purpose and training our kids right and wrong and doing those things are part of God's character. That's how he was with us, was it not? Do we not see that in the Ten Commandments as an example? Teaching us what is right and what is wrong? Do we not see God's hand in this in the tabernacle? Showing us what is right and in doing so pointing us to Christ? Showing us through the law and the tabernacle and the temple what is right and what is wrong and all the time pointing us to Christ? Christ, the ultimate example of righting that which was wrong. Fathers, I simply submit to us that to step back and take a bigger picture, what I would challenge us as fathers, do the words discipline and instruction and admonition and training and order and purpose, is that the vocabulary that we are adopting as we're raising our kids? Does that describe our vocabulary? I want to encourage us that it should. I would suggest also that discipline and instruction is a process. We as fathers make the mistake that our children arrive. We, we seem to be patient with everybody else's children. When it comes to our own, we tend to lose that patience. Fathers, let's grant our children the grace and the mercy that our Lord grants us as he deals with us with great patience and grace and mercy. Discipline and instruction is a process. Our kids don't arrive. We grow them up according to this text. We bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, pointing them to a greater purpose, and that is Christ. And I want to suggest that that is the, the, the biggest reason we are to be attentive and train our kids. There's a greater purpose, and the greater purpose is training them to be of the Lord. It's one of our primary responsibilities that we bring our children up in such a way that we point them to Christ. Bring our children up in such a way that they obey Christ. It requires time and energy, and it's a lot of effort. We devote a lot of our time and energy to things that as it relates to our kids. I know I did that with my children, whether it was athletics, academics, their social life, musically inclined or artistically inclined. Parents were finding time for those things. In the busyness of our schedule, are we stopping? Am I stopping to think, what's primary? What's, how does this assist in my training my children to follow Christ? And to be, as this text says, of the Lord. 
Perhaps the issue isn't the wise use of our time with our kids. Perhaps the issue is time at all. Maybe we've delegated task of training our children in a biblical way to the church. Right? We're going to bring them and we'll drop them off at Sunday school. And that's where they'll learn about the Lord. Or maybe a Sunday school class or a Bible study they attend or through their school or what have you. Those are all well and good and they're beneficial. They're profitable for training. But fathers, these instructions are given to us. Fathers, don't provoke. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We are not off the hook. It specifically speaks to fathers. Fathers, are we talking to our kids about the importance of being in Christ? This book of Ephesians, it's mentioned two times in our text. We saw it in verse 1, did we not? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And in our text, fathers, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Did you know if you went back through this book of Ephesians and counted the number of times in the Lord, in Christ, of the Lord was mentioned, you'd come up with more than 17? Ephesians is indicating to us something very critical that we are to be in the business of doing as fathers, and that is pointing our kids to be in Christ. And it is hard work. And we need to be about the business of doing that. Fathers, when was the last time that we sat down with our children and looked them in the eye? I'm just going to give you a, a quick few examples from the book of Ephesians about this very important business of being in Christ. When was the last time you looked at your child, your son or your daughter in the, in the eyes and you said, Sweetheart, in Christ we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Son, did you know that in Christ we are blessed with every spiritual blessing? If you are a professing believer of faith in Christ, those are the things we need to be telling our children. Compared to the heavenly and the spiritual, this world offers nothing more, son or daughter, than what Christ brings to you. When was the last time, dads, we sat down and we said to our kids, In Christ, we are to be to the praise of His glory in a society that is so immersed in self-gratification, self-motivation, self-preservation. How many of our young people need to hear from their dads we are to be to the praise of His glory. It is not about you. Son, as much as I love you, it is about Christ. Training them to be in Christ. How about this, fathers? This is from Ephesians 2.10. In Christ we are created for good works. How many of our young people need to know that life actually does have a purpose? Life in Christ has a purpose. Our young people... Dads and moms desperately need to hear that in a culture and in a society that's telling them just the opposite. They need to hear it, and they need to hear it from you. Yes, they're Sunday school teacher. Yes, from teaching. But you, you, you. In the Lord is where we are to be strong. How many of our young people need that perspective? That the perspective of life says, you don't have to be strong enough. It's about Christ being strong enough. In the Lord, that's where it is not in you. Well, I want to conclude with just a, a few brief remarks, maybe some points of application. Fathers, are your children getting your best? I can say this, if not, the world is ready to fill the void. 
through the music your kids listen to, through their friends, through their activities, entertainment. Men, are we actively involved in Bible studies and being with other men in that regard, whatever, whatever that device that are good things that we should be involved in? But are you, are you using your spiritual gifts toward your children? Are you using your gifts as a Bible study for and toward your children? It's a little awkward at first, maybe, if that's not a practice you've done. But I want to encourage us as dads to be about the business of using our skills that the Lord has given us toward our kids as it relates to bringing them up in Christ. Fathers, remember the wisdom of balance. It's in our text, is it not? There are things relating to our kids that we are not to do, and there are things that we are to do. Sometimes those are not as easy to see, but I would suggest one place to go that might be of of good help to us as fathers as it relates to this idea of taking a, a balanced approach when it comes to raising our kids. And I want to direct us to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul is describing here to the church in Thessalonica the manner in which he went about training this church, bringing them along in the Lord, pointing them to Christ. He's describing the manner in which he did that. And he uses some really very good, helpful counsel to us as fathers. Listen to how Paul says this. For you are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Boy, did you see that list? devoutly, uprightly, and blamelessly, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Exhorting, encouraging, imploring. Fathers, sometimes we're good at something. Maybe we're good at exhortation. We're good at giving instruction and, and, and doing that. But this text expands that, does it not? You're not just to lay down a lot of instructions. What else does the text say you're to do? Encourage. And when you encourage, how about implore, explain? Fathers, do you ever... Do you ever are, you, are we just sending out commands to our children without the benefit of a graceful explanation? How about words of encouragement? How about honest words of imploring our children? Not just throwing instructions, but with explanation. I just submit maybe it would be good for us to remember the wisdom of balance. It's hard to know exactly where to start. I'd make two suggestions, um, especially with the young kids. Just start with the book of Ephesians. Ask your young children to go through this book and circle the number of times in the Lord of the Lord in Christ is mentioned in this book. Give them a few days to do that. Get back together and then talk about the things that they found. It's a great point of beginning. Uh, I would encourage you to gravitate toward those tools that point you back to the scriptures, not so much the how-to books, but those books that would rather encourage your children to look at and examine the scriptures. I would I would make one suggestion as as one possibility 
This is a book by James Montgomery Boyce. And he tackles a very hard book in the New Testament, the book of James, that talks about faith and works. Really hard sayings, right? That we probably may have some disagreement in this room. But it's a great tool to talk about. In the title of the book, Sure I Believe. So what? And in its examination of the book of James, chapter by chapter. We've got spring break coming up, dads. Summer. Take your kids, get a, a few books, start in Ephesians, and start examining the scriptures together. It's our responsibility as dads. There aren't any perfect parents, and there aren't any perfect children. Sometimes our children are going to make bad choices that have serious consequences. And we may do before the Lord everything that we know to do. We may have done everything we knew to have done before the Lord, examining this scripture and fulfilling it as far as we are able. But there's two people involved here. There's children and there's parents. Sometimes our children are going to make bad choices. If we learn nothing from the entirety of God's word, from Genesis to Revelation, God is in the business of taking broken people, broken families, broken circumstances, and mending them and bringing them together in the person and work of Christ. Parents, let's never forget that. Even if we're sitting here with our children having made some serious mistakes, our Heavenly Father is totally about the business of restoring and redeeming the broken. And that's true for our kids as well. Be to our children as Christ is to us, patient and long-suffering, prayerful, Sometimes there are circumstances outside of our control. There's abuse, physical, there's psychological issues that are simply beyond our element. We have to rely on the author of life. We have to trust him to do that which we simply cannot. Honoring our parents never ends. There are many, many people in this body who have showed us what it looks like to honor their parents in old age. Many people. If I started the list, I'd leave somebody off, but we know who they are. And they have been quite an incredible example to us, watching them honor their parents in older ages. For those of us that are the generation, we can see the day coming when our mother and father may be in that situation. I would prayerfully ask you to consider are you looking forward to that day? Are you prayerfully looking forward to honoring the Lord by honoring your parents by taking care of them later in life? And are you preparing for that? Encouragement to finish well. Parenting is hard work. And many of you are right now in the serious battle of training your children. And it is hard work. It's lonely work. And sometimes it doesn't seem to be producing many good results. Let me encourage you to hang in there. The work you're doing is important. Rely on the scriptures. Trust God's word. It is totally faithful and true in its context. How our children turn out is not a measure of our success or failure as parents. I'm convinced that we take way too much credit if our kids turn out well and way too much blame if they don't. Finish well. 
No matter what the situation you find yourself in with your kids, finish well. Examine the scriptures. Do what the scriptures have asked you to do as a parent, have asked you to do as a child, and finish well. If you're here today, our text in Ephesians basically is addressed to believers. But if you're here today as a child or a parent and you have not professed a saving faith in the person and work of Christ, this, this scripture tells us life does not end well. Staying in that condition. Our only hope, my only hope, your only hope, is in the person and work of Christ who takes broken families, broken people, mends them, redeems them, draws them to himself, and puts us on a path and points us to him. That is our challenge today. Apart from Christ, it's impossible to finish well. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that you have given us a text to examine and to look at Thank you for the perspective that we have been given instructions to do and to carry out, both as children and as parents. Father, I pray that we would always have you before us, that we would look and examine what it is that we need to do as parents that would point our children to being obedient and following hard after you. Take our children, Father, with the mistakes that they make, with the mistakes that we make as parents, and draw us close to you in spite of that. That is what your word says that you do. You redeem the broken. Thank you, Father, for the truths of Scripture that point us to you. I pray for those in the hearing of this voice, for those that have not professed a saving faith. Father, may they repent, confess their sins, turn to you, and Father, we know that you will put them on a path to follow you. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.